Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the billion-dollar museum project. And I thought it was interesting that Culture Minister Melanie Mark really not kind of backing down, really no. more doubling down doubling on this down. project. Yep. Your thoughts on the business case? Yeah, she uh, she stood her ground at the news conference this week, uh, defending it with the release of the business case, which had many pages redacted. I don't think it really changed the narrative or the story here. I've uh, got a little more detail, but still not able to really explain why it's going to go four years before construction begins. You know, they have to pack everything up. There's 7 million artifacts in the museum, which is an impressive number. Uh, only 1% of them are on display, uh, but they all have to be packed up. But it's not clear why the museum would have to be closed for all that time while this packing and moving to a new facility in Saanich, a temporary facility in Saanich. Occurs so it's uh it, it can just be a hot button issue again I'm not sure if this is going to sort of die on the vine and cease to be an issue come the next election campaign or whether or not we come to the next election campaign and that building is starting to be torn down and Kevin Falcon holds a daily photo op in front of it. <laughs> okay, she keeps going back to that talking point about the the museum is not earthquake proof. It could fall down in an earthquake. It could destroy all our cultural legacies and treasures and history. So here she is talking about that. And you'll hear her make the point here about, wait a minute, what about schools? What about all those schools that should be seismically upgraded? What about the hospitals mm -hmm. that need to be seismically upgraded? So listen to how she makes that point here. This is Melanie Mark speaking yesterday to Simi Sarah. This is the public museum. It houses and stores our collective and shared history. And with a risk, it could be wiped out. And that is a decision that we've made as a government, the risk that we're not going to take. But we are committed to doing everything we can for British Columbians, for people to go to safe schools, safe hospitals, and invest in capital projects. Those capital projects are a public asset. So, yeah, so the point she's making, I guess, is that, okay, we understand there are schools that need to be fixed up, too, but we're doing that. We're fixing well, the schools, they are, we're fixing they, the hospitals. We are and we're not. I mean, there is, uh, it's not everything being done at once. The building you and I are in right now is also in need of uh, earthquake uh, readiness. Talking about the B.C. legislature. B.C. legislature, yeah. which you could argue is the most important public building in the entire province. And, again, politicians are reluctant to spend much money on this building because it's seen as spending money on themselves. Right. Uh, but there are many schools out there that are in worse shape physically than the Royal BC Museum when it comes to er the threat of earthquakes and massive damage. And that's the challenge the this NDP government has. Why is the museum suddenly vaulting ahead of a number of schools or health facilities when it comes to uh, this type of work? Now, to be fair, there are a lot of schools and health facilities that are being um, fixed up and repaired and much more earthquake-proof. But it's not an exhaustive 100% list, and that's why the museum is going to be framed. Against, this museum project is going to be framed against these other schools and health facilities that are in worse shape. Yeah, I mean, it's easy pickings for the liberals, right? You mentioned oh, Kevin Falk. Low-hanging fruit. Oh, yeah, so they're just hammering the government daily on this. And it's interesting, though, when you take a look at some of the details that came out on the timeline for this project, demolition of the museum scheduled to start in 2024, same year as the next election. <laughs> Right. So yeah. is it potential that the museum will be torn down before 
Falcon could cancel the project like he's promised if oh. he wins the next election. Oh yeah, no, if you if he wins the next election, yeah. which is, so at this moment it remains a big if, but yeah. you never know. Uh, again, there's speculation the NDP wants to get this past the point of no return, as Christy Clark vowed to do with the site C Dam, get it past the, the point of no return, which it was, and the NDP proceeded with it, even though they opposed it in opposition. If there's no building there in the next provincial election, it will be a photo op for Kevin Falcon. But he's going if he does win, he's going to have to replace it. Yeah, I mean, you could do photo ops in front of a hole in the ground with a chain link <laughs> chain fence link around fence. it, right? Saying, look what they did. Guard dog. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about the manure dump in front of Horgan's office. So this is the anti-old growth logging group, same group that's been blocking roads and bridges and highways over the last several months. So they Very get- little public sympathy for this type of actions, whether it's lying down on the lines on the... Uh, Ironworkers Bridge, or whether it's throwing manure at John Horgan's constituency office windows. And anyone who knows John Horgan will tell you that rather than getting uh, Horgan to back down on an issue like this, throwing manure at his windows uh, only solidifies his position. So again, this government's making absolute, or this government, this, this protest group has had zero traction with this government on this issue. The government's already deferred. Uh, millions of hectares of old growth uh, timber, and that's what they've done, and they're not going to do more than that. Uh, okay. So again, these protesters, I'm not sure what the point is. Let's listen to one of the spokespeople for the group here, Zane Hack, who's been a guest here on the show before. I had him on before to talk about road blockades. This is the same group that yeah. dumped the manure on the Make pre- people angry. outside the premier's office. So here he is earlier justifying these type of tactics. We've been writing letters for 30 years. We've been signing petitions for 30 years. We've been doing marches for 30 years, and nothing has happened, right? Carbon emissions have gone up by 60%, and our demand is very minor, and we're nonviolently disrupting the public. by engage- And in doing so, we're engaging the public in the debate that we're literally faced with the annihilation of the human race. Well, I'm not sure they're engaging the public, though. We're not engaging the public, so let's... Take that off the table. In terms of doing nothing, I mean, the government has controversially deferred the, the logging of huge stands of timber. The forest companies are going to lay off up to 14,000 people. Yeah. There's an economic price that's about to be paid for this. So quite apart from doing nothing, this government is doing far more than liberals or the Socrates or the NDP did in the 90s in terms of halting logging operations. Also, First Nations now are a partner in what's going on in the forest, despite what this group wants, who would want no uh, indigenous authorization of the industrial activity in these stands. That's uh, not uh, happening. I mean, indigenous and First Nations have a role to play in the stewardship of forestry, despite what this group wants. So you think like Horgan, when they dump manure outside his office, like remember it was a a group of protesters showed up at his house driveway about a year ago, and he he was furious over that. Absolutely furious, as I think the public is. Public is no appetite for this sort of showing up at people's homes, politicians' homes, or even their constituency office and, and stunts like this. There's very little public support in this guy you had on. There's no public support for people lying on the Iron Workers Bridge and, and halting traffic, which is why you saw motorists get out and start dragging people off. That yeah. is a potentially a very dangerous situation. Okay. But again, the stated goal of this group is to get people angry enough yeah. to sort of demand action, and they don't really care about public opinion. Okay, police are investigating that manure dump, by the way. They've got they surveillance footage of it. Oh, yeah, they've got lots of surveillance fo- uh, film of it. Um, let's talk about the uh, Western Premiers, which is wrapping up this today, morning. the conference. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't even know what was happening. It just shows you how things have changed yeah. in the <laughs> pandemic. These guys, the premiers actually got together for the first time in person with each other for a couple of years now. And predictably, uh, you saw this coming. They came out with a joint statement demanding that Ottawa step up to the plate with significantly more dollars for health care. Yeah. Uh, the premiers are making the case that when, when our healthcare system was first established in the 1960s, it was a 50-50 proposition. 50% of the funding came from Ottawa, 50% came from a province. Now it's about a 75-25, 77-23% split with the province increasingly boring, bearing the, uh, the heavy financial burden and Ottawa vacating uh, some of the, the funding uh, envelopes. And they want this reversed. The next chapter in this is going to be written in July when you have the Council of the Federation, all the premiers are together, and, and I think Mr. Drovey there as well. Again, that is the number one issue that unites all the premiers. doesn't matter whether you're NDPs, John Horgan, Alberta Conservative, Jason Kennedy, Saskatchewan Party, Scott Moe, or Ontario Conservative Premier Doug Ford. They all speak with one voice. Is Ottawa has to come up with more cash. When has any premier, though, ever not wanted more money from Ottawa? Never. It's always the same refrain. I mean, this is one of the things that Horgan likes to defer to when he's asked about the shortage of family doctors in British Columbia, right? Mm -hmm. Don't look at me. Look at the federal no. government. We don't give enough money from the feds. Well, you're, That's you're why right. he dropped the F-bomb in the legislature yeah. over that. You know? You're quite right, though. I can't remember when premiers... Maybe uh, 1867, maybe, is the last time <laughs> the premiers did not... But as you pointed money. out, though, it's the percentage of federal yeah. support that is eroded, right? Exactly. So right. to go from... I mean, this started under Paul Martin and the Liberals yeah. uh, in the 90s. When the NDP... I remember NDP and government in the 90s, Joe McPhail, the health minister, absolutely furious that Paul Martin started to chop transfer payments. So this is the can what's called the Canada Health Transfer. Right. It, it, is, it involves billions of dollars that flow from Ottawa to the provinces, but the premiers just want billions more dollars. Uh, as healthcare continues to be more expensive, the population is aging, um, technology is expensive, and just the the cost of uh, healthcare just continues to go up, and they want Ottawa to pay more. Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Lots of calls. Let's go right to them. Dev in Vancouver. Hi, Dev. Go ahead. Hi, thanks. Um, the NDP sure loves to deflect. How is it possible that Alberta can pay their doctors more, they, their doctors are accepting patients, and here in B.C., same formula, same split from the federal government, here in B.C. we have a shortage. Now, if you want to ask what the reference for my, my point is, CTV did a story uh, early May. Yeah, we talked about this precise point yeah. earlier this week on the show. And, well, they have a different system for paying their doctors in Alberta. Is yeah, so one of the issues here in B.C., we have far more patient, far more doctors on fee-for-service yeah. rather than salaries. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're, I think they're trying to move away from that as much yeah. as possible because the overhead cost for family physicians is increasing significantly. You know, the lease payments, the rental payments are going up. Inflation's going up. And so... The business model for a family doctor becomes much more of a challenge in BC than it does in Alberta. Now, Ontario also has a, a shortage of family doctors. We're seeing this, this shortage of various professions is occurring because the baby boomer generation, which was the big bulge of demographics for so long, is retiring in huge numbers. In BC right now, it's, it, it's probably going to get even worse. We've got 400 family doctors right now over the age of 70. Uh, who have very uh, family practices of various sizes? They don't all have a thousand patients, for example. But that's a, those people are not going to be family doctors, say in five or ten years, and we're not replacing them fast enough. So it's a real and money isn't necessarily the answer because it can't really be done quick enough. Although Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, lest anyone think it's a panacea, there he's pleading for money too with the rest of the Western premiers, yeah. saying, "Look, we need more money for health care." 
Yeah, I mean, they're not paying nurses nearly as much as uh, as other provinces as well. So you can say, okay, doctors are getting paid more in Alberta, not necessarily nurses. Noreen in Abbotsford, hi. Hi. Um, that whole manure thing in John's office, is that not a little bit ignorant? I is don't it, know. Is it not a little bit what? Ignorant. Ignorant? Sure these, it is. Yes. These <laughs> people are not getting anybody on their side. And then the other day, Trudeau in Surrey, those truckers and their flags? Are you kidding me? That was a bit. Uh, that was quite ugly. Those were no, racial, was, r- racist slurs um, yes. sent to it the crowd there, which was a racialized audience. Yeah, somebody, had a, somebody had a, was waving a, a noose, noose around outside. Yeah. Like. No, these are these, the public is not on side with these tactics oh. and such. Now, in terms of the environmental um, protest, and you've had guests on here, it is part of their strategy is to get people angry. Uh, on this issue and hopefully sway people's minds to demand government take more well, action. Well, maybe they're getting half of that right. People are getting angry, yeah, but it's not swaying uh, it's them to not, their side. It's not swaying to their side. If no. anything, it sways them to the other side. Exactly. Absolutely. Ar- Thanks for the call, Noreen. Yeah, Arthur Noreen. Arthur and Kamloops. Hi, Arthur. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for right. taking my call. Sure. A couple of points. Um, did we need the election in the middle of the pandemic? Probably not. Do we need a billion-dollar museum? Probably not. Uh, I'm in Kamloops healthcare system. Our hospital here is terrible. Um, uh, I waited four months. Mm-hmm. Now that I've got the MRI, I'm going to be waiting years to see a specialist and get a uh, day surgery. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you, you give a bunch of manure, maybe you get a little bit back. Okay, thank you. Well, th- I mean, this is, you know, this, this, is, is, the, this is the disconnect between the public and this museum project. Yeah, and this is the problem all governments have when they spend money on things uh, that are not health and education. Everything else is seen as a, take a big back seat to these two most uh, coveted, um, prioritized issues. Uh, interestingly, though, I've talked to a, a NDP cabinet minister, uh, a couple of them, who aren't necessarily enamored with this museum project, but they point out and they wonder, why is the House of Commons going through a 10-year renovation and being shut down for 10 years in Ottawa, and no one has said, boo, it's just ceased to be an issue, uh, even though it's a huge expenditure of public money on a public building that houses politicians. And other governments are reluctant to do that. So here, in this situation, you've got a cultural institution be, uh, being the focal point of the expenditure of about a billion dollars. And again, I think it's inevitable. The public's going to frame that against health care and education facilities. Well, I also think, though, the House of Commons work was done a lot more transparently and open with the public than this thing. I mean, this thing was just dumped on yeah, the public and that's part of, that's, with, with no warning. Excellent point. I think that's a big problem with this. Uh, uh, supporters are saying, oh, come on, it's been in the works for years. Well, no, well, no, not really. Yeah. You know, maybe behind the scenes. Uh, we had a technical briefing with officials, and they were challenged. Uh, where was where has the public been consulted on this? It's one thing to say every na- every few years, or have a vague line in the throne speech. This is one thing the NDP's relying on. What was mentioned in the throne speech? Well, what was mentioned in the throne speech was this vague promise to modernize the museum. No yeah, yeah, mention of yeah. no mention of closing it for no. eight years or spending a billion dollars. Judy in Surrey. Judy, you got thirty seconds here. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I just want to say that if we need a new museum, and I don't believe that we do, uh, why keep it in uh, on the island when people can't afford to go to the island? British Columbians, most of, the, of us can't afford to take the damn ferry to go over there. Why not put it somewhere more central? Well, you, you, expect, uh, you expect John Horgan to move the museum out of his own riding? Come on. Well, it's on his riding, but it's I, in his region. It's, uh, if they're going to re- build a new one, build it somewhere in okay. central B.C. 
Keith, well, I don't know about Central BC. Uh, land is expensive, and one of the things, one of the business cases was it actually would cost more to build it somewhere else because you have to acquire the land, and land is very expensive in the capital or in Metro. Thanks, Keith. Have a great weekend. All right, that's Keith Baldry. That was Baldry's B.